You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of timely topics that matter most to business leaders. To help make sense of these topics and how they'll unfold, we'll sit down with thought leaders and do what we do best at the conference board, provide trusted insights for what's ahead. I'm Steve Odlin, the CEO of the conference board and the host of this series. And in today's conversation, we're going to discuss when and how companies should engage with societal issues, especially as they face increasing pressure from a variety of stakeholders. Joining me today is Karen Wilson-Teeson, the General Counsel and Secretary of General Mills. Karen, welcome. Hi, Steve. So nice to do this with you. Yeah, Karen, you know, General Mills has been recognized as a leader in this area. And you, of course, are the uh, the governess, if you will, of the, the whole process around these societal issues. And you, you all ad- adopted a template that you use in you know, your discussions on how to react to various uh, things that go on in society and so forth. So describe the template in the process at General Mills. Sure, absolutely. Um, And always interested in your perspectives from the conference board as well, because you hear a lot from other companies. But we just found that increasingly, we were being asked as a company to take kind of public positions on sensitive social issues, um, partly because you know, we kind of care about um, a lot of different issues. We are are known as, you know, G is for good is something that we um, promote as part of our brand identity. And so rather than doing uh, conversations on the fly when issues come up, we found it really helpful to kind of document as a leadership team, the things we felt were the most important criteria that we should consider when an issue is arising. And I'll just kind of, I'll, I'm going to just read the five pillars of the template, and then we can talk about them a little bit further. So the first is, and we say that all of these must be true for us to publicly engage. The first is that there's a meaningful business rationale for engagement, that engagement is consistent with the company's purpose and values, that business and reputational risks from engagement are manageable and outweighed by the business rationale. That is kind of like how polarizing will the issue be? There are important internal or external stakeholder expectations supporting engagement. You know, what's the level of employee engagement or external constituents? We take a look at that. And then the last thing is that we understand the degree and context of industry engagement. You know, that could be others in our industry or in our business community. So those are kind of the five things and they're very broad and there's, you know, a lot of conversation that happens around each one, but they're really good anchors. Right. And th- those are meant to be uh, discussion guidelines. And and so you have a group of people that that come together, you know, when these issues bubble up, right? So th- who who is, uh, what are the titles? Who are part of that discussion? Yeah, no, that's a great question. We ended up um, putting the chief communication officer on point because whether it be from you know, the employee population or some of our consumers or just kind of public or you know, sometimes government or non-government entities um, that are kind of 
most out front on an issue, it seemed to most likely come to the chief communications officer. But that role is really one where, you know, anyone who has a question knows now it's pretty well um, understood across the company that that's where they go. And then he really coordinates with a lot of different stakeholders internally. Um, that could be business leadership. It could be functional input. Usually external relations and government affairs are part of that conversation. Um, and, and sometimes other committees that might have expertise such as sustainability or um, things like that. And then once that group has kind of worked the issue and uh, kind of documents the answers to those five questions I told about, told you about, we get together um, as a team, which is the chief communications officer, the chief human resources officer, myself, general counsel, and then of course the CEO. And it's really the four of us that are the decision makers based on the profile that's put together using the principles. Yeah, and and this is um this is a well-oiled process. I mean, you're sitting in Minneapolis, the uh, you know not too far from you know the whole George Floyd incident and all the the issues that came on. So it's really apropos that you all have stepped out and taken a leadership in defining how you're going to come at these things. But the other thing that I was that that, that you did is you engaged the board of directors in um, in understanding what the process was going to be. And also the board uh, discussed, you know, and delegated to management within certain parameters, you know, how to operate. Talk about that process too, because it's really important that boards and management are together on these things. Sure. I mean, I love that our board has a public responsibility committee that is a standalone committee and corporate reputation is one of the accountabilities for that board committee. So when we were putting this criteria together, that public responsibility committee was very involved in helping us land upon the things that they knew would be important to both board and company. And of course, then, you know, once you have agreed upon the principles, you don't necessarily need to go to the board each and every time you might make a public position. We, we absolutely do inform. And if there's a question, we have those discussions, as you well know. But I love that it was, you know, a combined effort of the public responsibility committee and management and landing upon this. And sometimes right. it is. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, well, no. And I think so. I, I think that that was really helpful in supporting management's, you know, confidence that they could take on these these issues and make sure, you know, because they follow you follow a process that everybody agreed to. And so therefore, you don't have to run to the board with everything. And also the board has your back because as long as you follow the process, you know, it, it, it they know that it has been well thought out. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, as time goes on, if there's an emerging issue that's kind of playing out publicly, we'll also have board conversations along the way. But you know how sometimes these things pop up very real time and you need to make a decision pretty quickly. So it's nice that we have the principles aligned in advance. Okay. So how does that happen? So, you know, I, you know, talk through, you know, our listeners are business leaders and, and C-suite members who are wrestling with these issues. How does an issue, societal issue, become important enough to hit the radar of the senior team, the, the four, you know, the, the, the group that manages this? How does it bubble up and how do you decide, um, you know, whether something is, is big enough to deal with? Yeah, I, I think because we are a consumer 
you know, very much of a consumer facing company and also a very community oriented company. There's a lot of issues that come up even through our employees and our employee networks who are very active and very embedded into our uh, business discussions. And so sometimes issues will come up that way. Sometimes issues will come up, you know, in your particular geographic community, maybe your home base community, like for instance, with George Floyd, of course. Um, sometimes it's through the industry. Sometimes it's uh, investors, as you know, have become increasingly vocal on um, certain social issues. So I feel like today versus even five years ago, issues are coming at public companies um, more and more from a variety of stakeholders. And it's kind of a, a very much of an ongoing discussion that we have to have on issues small and large. Is that your experience as you as you deal with other companies? Oh yeah, and you know it. It it. There's a never-ending list of uh, you know what people would like companies to get involved with. So just describe. So you do this process, and so it bubbles up, and it, and the chief communications officer works with the relevant business unit. Then it then it comes to your your standing committee. What are the possible outcomes from this process? So I, I assume one outcome is we're not going to say anything. It's not germane. It doesn't you know it doesn't hurdle these. But but if so. But if you're going to react, what are the possible reactions that the company can take? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. It is kind of a broad, a broad variety of outcomes, as you mentioned. So sometimes might, we might decide to monitor an issue versus going out front if we, if we don't see that there's a lot of uh, public commentary or a lot of engagement yet, or if maybe the issue isn't fully formed. Um, sometimes we might decide that it's more appropriate for an internal conversation. You know, we usually say if we're going to say something, you know, in writing or, you know, through a, a large internal gathering, we have to assume that that will become an external statement. But it's still very different to say something to your employee population than making a public statement. So there have been times where we've decided to talk to employees on things versus kind of needing to be a public speaker externally if we don't have the expertise to do that. Um, and sometimes we might add our names to a, an industry group, whether it be, you know, it could be business roundtable or our local chamber of commerce, or, you know, there are a variety of times where it's best to come at it as a consortium. And then sometimes we might go out, out front on an issue. And, you know, you mentioned George Floyd there, it was our home community. It was something we felt very strongly about already in terms of racial equity and other associated issues, you know, when it was right here. So we felt like, you know, there it was okay to be first or, or one of the first, just because um, we knew the issue, we knew the location, we knew the community, and we knew how much it would mean to our employees. But if it happened in a faraway city where we didn't have that close connection or knowledge or expertise, we might've waited. Yeah. Now this is this is a really important point, Karen, that you're making, which is where is your company's headquarters? Because everybody has a a company, a global headquarters, or you know a regional headquarters. But you know you're you're expected as part of that business community to act locally and and engage a, a little more locally than you would as a multinational in other parts of the world, right? So th that that home territory is a really important lens. I think so too. And 
you know, sometimes you have a conversation like, do you really have the right to speak if you if it is if you don't have any connection to a community and you don't have expertise, you know, there's there's kind of a respect for the issue for the community for the people who are leaders on that particular issue that goes into some of our discussion too, um, where you know it would be like, who are we to be the first speaker on this topic where there's no obvious connection? So that is, I think that is something to consider. Yeah, now th there's risk involved <laughs> with all of this, as, uh, as everybody in business knows, there's risk to react or to comment or to engage, but there's also a risk of non-engagement. Talk about your views on each. Yeah, I think, um, you know, this is where, well, gosh, I will say with all of the five questions that we ask ourselves, I mean, we spend hours on some of these. There's a lot of nuance um, in these discussions, but that kind of risk of engagement, non-engagement, which is maybe that, um, that question I said, you know, how polarizing is this issue and how will our various stakeholders respond? We definitely think about that. Um, how much does it mean to our employees? How much does it mean to our consumers? On some of these issues, as you well know, there are people who feel super passionately on both sides of an issue and may have different perspectives from which they're approaching an issue. And, we serve you know, a very broad community, both in terms of our employees and our consumers. So you know, we weigh those things very carefully, but I honestly think what usually happens is when something is closely connected to our, our business, when it's something that we have a close connection to because of our community, I think we can say things in a way that minimize the risk because we have that, that track record and that kind of expertise and personal, you know, company connection to an issue. So that usually helps nuance it. And, and when it's important to us like that, then I think we err on the side of, you know, there may be some people that might not be happy with what we're saying, and we're going to find a way to respond to that as well. And sometimes we have to engage in conversations with whether it be employees or other stakeholders um, as a result of that. Yeah, and you know the you know every statement going forward is based on you know past company behavior. So there is, you know, in the case of General Mills, there's a huge reservoir of trust in the local community as well as the national and international community because it's it's a well trusted uh, organization, and that's important for people to remember that you know that you build this this kind of interaction and trust over time. No, I think that's right. You know, recently there was the the Respect for Marriage Act that had come out and, and companies were being asked to, to become signatories for that as the, as the bill was passing through. And we had had such a long track record and marriage equality had become, you know, had, was such a big deal in Minnesota because we were one of the first states that went forward on that issue that we felt we had developed the expertise. We had kind of developed the thought leadership. We had a close connection to the issue and it clearly meant a ton to our employees, so you know that kind of was an easy, an easy one for us based based on all those things that we we've talked about. We're discussing when and how companies should engage with societal issues. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. As you and your company monitor the volatile and uncertain economy, the award-winning forecast team at the Conference Board predicts a downturn by the end of 2022. 
recession will further compound the crises that have recently upended expectations, from a deadly pandemic to a war in Ukraine and the highest inflation in decades. Yet, unprecedented crises also present unforeseen opportunities if you have a trusted, proven navigator by your side. With that in mind, and as the conference board has always done, we are providing you with daily, timely, and relevant content that will guide the business community through the economic storm. These trusted insights are being gathered on our website and are available to help your company master the challenges. To find out how you can chart a course for the future which will allow your business to emerge stronger on the other side, visit our free economic hub entitled Navigating the Economic Storm, Your Indispensable Guide Through the Global Recession, located at conference-board.org topics recession. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin from the Conference Board, and I'm joined today by Karen Wilson-Teeson, the General Counsel of General Mills. So Karen, before the break, we were talking about you know, how companies have goodwill and, and or, or not, in the case of General Mills, great reservoirs of goodwill. But you, you, you mentioned the various constituencies and, you know, you talked a little bit about uh, employees and so forth. Who are the constituents or the stakeholders that are considered or should be considered in this process? Yeah, I guess I would definitely say employees. We interact a lot. You know, our, our businesses interact a lot with our employee networks who have really deep expertise and knowledge in a number of issues, um, both cultural and political as they might evolve. And then our consumers are very engaged with us as, as you know, as, as a leader of a, uh, you have a great history of consumer brands, uh, companies, but certainly you engage so closely with your consumers in this space that that's, that's um, another really important constituency. I think increasingly, as you know, our investors, you know, over the last several years. And it, again, it was very different even five years ago, but when you're meeting with your investors, they care very much about certain social issues, um, not just about how the business is doing. And so we need to think carefully about that as we meet with investors, what do they care most about? Certainly on the issue of um, diversity and inclusion and climate, that's become increasingly clear. And so we pay attention to that very carefully because we know how much that means to a lot of our significant investors. And then sometimes it's, you know, government representatives that uh, work closely with our company or with our industry and how they feel on, on issues that matters too. So I don't know what, did I miss any constituencies? What do you, what, Steve, what are you No, I think what at? you're saying, I think what you're saying is that we live in a multi-stakeholder world customers, employees, owners, communities, and, and, and we have to take all of those stakeholders into account when you're dealing with these issues. That's what I heard you say. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and yeah, and, and, and other business relationships too. You could have a very important business relationship or, or customer who distributes your product who might feel super strongly about something that you're not quite ready to come out on front, in front on. So, you know, that's a good point. Now you mentioned so it, there's a case when where some of these things are are societal issues um, or events. Um, you mentioned a, a specific piece of legislation. Now that's a that comes out of the political process, and sometimes that's a little hairier for companies to deal with. Talk about how companies should be sensitive to 
you know, so- social, of course, but but some of these political things, because you don't want to get you don't want to get labeled, you know, in this highly divisive world as a, you know, a D or an R company. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that is so true. And, you know, the world is kind of increasingly polarizing. So I think we find ourselves more and more careful about that. Um, I should say the world of politics. So um, we, we are more and more careful about that. So yes, I would say, you know, there are times where you get a non-governmental organization or some, you know, you might even get an industry group where there's a particular piece of legislation that people want you to comment on. I, I think that is it's, it's trickier because um, there's all kinds of pitfalls that could happen when you don't fully understand what the legislation is designed to do. You might not have the expertise. We certainly you know, felt strongly about um, like public safety generally, or maybe generally the need for police reform. Again, this is back you know, with our experience with George Floyd in our own home community, but Boy, there are a lot of specific pieces of legislation, um, city council proposals, leg- the state, federal, and it's really not our area of expertise to comment on any specific piece. So it, to the extent that that would kind of come up from time to time, we, we hesitated to dig in on such a technical um, angle like that. So I think to your point, I think it's harder to do that sometimes unless you really know what you're doing. So just just to not to put words in your mouth, but just to to sort of paraphrase, what I hear you saying is, it's important to focus on issues and policy behind these things, these events and these pieces of legislation as it relates, and you have to put it in the context of your business priorities. But be cautious about aligning with any specific political uh, piece or, or or legislation. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, I think that is, I think that would be true most of the time. There's so many different issues that come up. I mean, I can't think of a particular example, but I guess I would say, unless something is really well-developed and it's really moved along and it's kind of more symbolic, I mean, in some ways, the Respect for Marriage Act was just a conglomeration of a whole bunch, you know, years of state legislation that had occurred and federal legislation. So it was kind of more of an issue. It was social, it was important. so that one may, may be a little bit different, but in most cases, yes, I think it's it's harder when you're when you're um, asked to really engage in the political process, which I think most companies try to avoid if they can. So you know, CEOs today are getting pushed to you know more and more and more to comment on you know every little issue that that comes along, and and, and then there are some CEOs who feel like you know they want to use the soapbox, and I think the you know, the resources of their company to sort of, you know, push their own personal uh, agenda, which, you know, just feels, you know, like not the right way to go. It's certainly not your um, your recommended way to go on this thing. But how do you, you know, CEOs are getting praised for jumping into these issues, but really only when they get, when they're, <laughs> when they're espousing progressive issues, and CEOs who have espoused 
you know, more conservative issues, you know, have really found themselves in, in a load of trouble. I mean, is that just symbolic of where we are as a society? And what are the risks here for CEOs in particular? Yeah, I think for as many examples as I can think of people coming out, like CEOs individually coming out and, and being out front, I mean, there are, there are so many examples of it backfiring um, one way or the other. I, I, I know of many, I'm, I'm not going to name any names, I certainly know when you go to like discussion groups, many lessons learned on being out front too soon or saying something that you didn't know enough about. So then it had unintended consequences. And, you know, with social media, the reaction can be so quickly, there's no way to backtrack once you're out front. So, you know, certainly our process is meant to be very careful, very deliberate, and, and not step into it um, without really carefully thinking about it. And no, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I think there are many more cons than pros of individual CEOs kind of being out there promoting their own political agenda. Yeah, and, and that's why this framework that General Mills has developed is so important because it helps to guide the discussion. It, it is a screen, you know, and it's not meant to be an AI-driven process that you plug in inputs and you wait for a, a magic output, but, you know, there's because there's a lot of judgment involved with it, but but it does help protect the company and it does help guide the CEO. Yeah, and I do think, you know, there are there are instances where, the individual CEO might feel really passionately about the topic, but you still run through these criteria. And when you're speaking on behalf of the company, they don't meet the criteria. So um, I think it is a good check. And, you know, I, I actually really respect the way that has worked here at General Mills. Um, even on issues where maybe privately or personally, you would you would say something um, knowing when you speak it as a CEO, it's it's very different. Um, so I think that's that's an important acknowledgement. So you know, this is this is a really interesting point where you know the CEOs often try to do this with two hats. You know, with my company hat on, this is my point of view, but with my personal hat on, you know, it's something else. And that's not really a fair way to do it because it's hard to separate the CEO as the individual from CEO of the company. And so hence, you know, CEOs really have to be careful about, you know, when they have a different point of view, um, not to get out over their skis. And, and that's why your process is so important. No, I agree. And I even think CEOs have to be more and more careful about people thinking they're speaking when they have no intention of speaking. You know, even, you know, when we're doing our investor meetings or analyst calls, or even when there's, you know, a speech at a community chamber of commerce event and um, you get a Q&A, we are always both chief communications officer, head of HR, myself, and, and our CEO is very aware of this, but, you know, you might accidentally say something that is conceived to be a statement on behalf of the company or, or a statement when it's not even meant to be a statement. So again, in today's media pace of how quickly something evolves, you have to be super, super careful. Yeah. So any, um, you know, any other advice that you'd have for business leaders uh, in this process, you know, as you think back to how, how you've experienced these issues and, and, you know, how you've had the debate, any, any advice 
I just think the best thing is that we went through this process. I mean, and this took hours and hours and hours of time to land on the right, the right framework. And, you know, under each one, there's kind of several questions that we, that we run through and then to align on it as a management team, to debate and discuss and make sure it's right. And then to do that with your board or your board committee so that you have it and you can pull it out and use it um, whenever something comes up. I think it's a it's very much a worthwhile exercise. And you kind of have to extract yourself from the crazy day-to-day of all the issues and, and meetings that you have and, and take a few hours and do it. Um, and then it's, it's just so worthwhile because it really... It really comes in handy. Now, if somebody wanted to look at this, do, do, does the General Mills uh, publish this uh, this framework somewhere, or is it available no. on the website that they could look? No. So you have to then say again what the five questions are. Okay. <laughs> the ones that we use are, and it's like the criteria that must be true. There's a meaningful business rationale for engagement. Engagement is consistent with the company's purpose and values. The business and reputational risks from engagement are manageable and outweighed by business rationale. There are important internal and external stakeholder expectations supporting engagement. And we understand the degree and context of industry engagement. And of course, as I've said, there's so many nuanced questions that we've added underneath through the experiences that we have when we deal with each and every issue that comes up. And so it might be different in each different company with different culture and leadership, but I think it's just worthwhile doing it and having the criteria that speak to you as as your company and the way you want to govern. So start with this general framework and then work through your company and, and industry specifics to add to this to customize it. But the point is, do follow a framework, do identify the process and be deliberate in how you address these issues. Absolutely. Karen Wilson-Teeson, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Steve. Appreciate it. You've been listening to a podcast from the Conference Board, the indispensable ally that has helped businesses through war, recession, and economic transformation for over 100 years. As recent unexpected economic challenges persist, you can chart a course for the future, which will allow your business to emerge stronger on the other side. Just visit our free economic hub entitled Navigating the Economic Storm, your indispensable guide through the global recession, located at www.conference-board.org slash topics slash recession.